Pulp MX Network production. Thanks for all the support, Pulp MX fans. The Pulp MX app is now available for both iPhone and Android-based phones. For all your moto needs, shop at btosports.com and use the current discount code STEVE, S-T-E-V-E. And don't forget to click the Amazon banner on pulpmx.com when purchasing anything from Amazon. It's the Steve Mathis Show, brought to you by RacerX, presented by BTOsports.com. The original moto podcast featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast show. It's an off weekend. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and, and thanks for supporting BTOsports.com, because without them, there wouldn't be this show, and there wouldn't be me. But there'd still be my guest. They'd still be not affected by BTOsports.com pulling out in any manner. And that would be my, my boss, Jason Wygant. Yeah, I'm, I'm really confused. Who's show am I on right now? Right, exactly, and it's exactly what we plan to do because we're messing with your mind. Because on the other line, the host of DMXS Radio, David Iser. Iser, what's up? I'm confused. When you say BTO Sports is the reason that you're here, we're talking sperm egg or, Um, I mean, uh, I don't understand. The ability to speak into this microphone and have a laptop computer with a mixing board recording everything. That's gotcha. What, so, so figuratively, it's right. not they. They weren't part of your creation. They're just part of you being able to bring motocross to the to the masses. Gotcha. Gotcha. Iser, uh, thank you for coming on for the off week. Uh, just basically a shoot the shit show. Um, a lot of different topics we're going to touch on. I guess uh, Wygant, you you've done uh, uh, a lot of these podcasts with me, and you've done the Pulp and Mech show. You've certainly done the DMXS radio show, which has been around uh, for a long time. How many shows are you on now? You did it five hundred, right, Iser? So. Yeah, well, well over that, and Jason's been on 498 of them because he's actually <laughs> contracted. People don't realize this. Right. Uh, MX Sports Race for X sponsor our show, and, and part of that is that Jason has to be on DMXS. Well, right, and this goes back to an email that I received that I did send to you, David, and I sent to Wygant. Yeah. You can tell in his voice he doesn't want to be on the show. <laughs> and and I, I, told, I, I followed up with Jason. I'm like, Jason, people are starting to pick up on your disdain for DMXS. Could you please... <laughs> Just like in your sex life, fake it better. Can you just, <laughs> just get, get, give me that, give me that porn finish instead of the the, the, the uh, generic one? Because people are noticing. Right, I, I did. I did enjoy that email. Um, uh, you could tell he's not enjoying it. Why is he forced to go on there? <laughs> I was forced to go on there through sponsors. I can first of all, as always, the answer to all these questions is always, I wish. The company that I work for was organized enough to put that plan together. <laughs> like, you also need to make sure you get on DMXS and talk right. about this, and here's your point. you got to make sure you hit the, I'm sure they don't even know I'm on there. A. B, I was friends with you guys before I worked there, and that goes back a long way because yeah. I've been working yeah. there for almost 12 years now. So I discovered Barsha and you. How were you, yeah. <laughs> how were you buddies with them before Racer X? I went to um, – I was going to Supercross races to kind of – trying to meet Davey, meet Brian Staley, meet the Racer X principals, and along the way I met Kevin, and then through Kevin I met David and pretty much a bunch of guys in Atlanta. But this was a good year or so before. Like, you were going there to network, which plenty of people do, so I met them right around the same time. But it was long before I was employed, that's for sure. Did you ever, did you ever, I don't know what what years would this have been? Uh, That was like 2000, and I remember their first show, 
2001, I was still in college at the time. I was definitely not employed by Racer X when they started their show. Um, well, I'm just, yeah, I'm just yeah. wondering, when you networked, did you happen to go by the KTM pits and notice a glistening number 41 Kelly Smith KTM 125 and go, wow, now that is a machine that is put together, <laughs> put that with, together. with expert hands. Did you ever... The first, the first Steve Mathis knowledge I had was our good buddy Mike Farber saying, you know what I like over there? I like that guy Mathis. He always gave me shit for like a rhino. <laughs> So that would have been dead, dead nuts on Farber impressions. Yeah, it's it's tough to. A lot of people have the impressions, but I'd say why well, nails it the best. Yeah. He he always give me shit because I like Rhino. He's the toughest. <laughs> you were never you were never on the Rhino bandwagon. Well, where, um, I was. Other people I knew, other employees, fellow employees of mine were. So that kind of brought us all together. It's it's common knowledge now with the pulp show that I do and the podcast that I do that I have an opinion, and I'm not afraid to to, to spout nope. off on it. And, and right or wrong, and I get very upset at certain things. And just so people know, uh, I was always that way because Racer X came out with a series of icon, quote-unquote, cards of some of the greats of the sport, and they put Ryan Hughes on there. Now, I got nothing against Ryan Hughes. The guy never won a title. He's not an icon in the sport. I believe he was with Bailey and Hannah and all the greats. And then there was Ryan Hughes, and I was very upset, and I, I made Farber – I made Farber realize that every week because mm. Farber was like, he's, he's an agon, you know. <laughs> I like chips. Uh, so. <laughs> so if you're counting the years, I actually knew the DMXS guys before I knew Mathis, and uh, the re- that one show the guy emailed was when we were on at Loretta's, and uh, I think Kevin and I had announced for from 7 to 7, and then we did the DMXS show. We were basically in the back of a truck, the car. I Yeah, I mean, yeah, we literally were sitting in a car together, just the two of us holding hands <laughs> doing the show. And then we had to go in and do another, another couple hours of voiceovers from Sports Center. So if there was a lack of enthusiasm, I apologize. Uh, that was 15 straight hours of talking. So maybe I was at maybe I was at 98. <laughs> percent There was there was there was no Racer X uh, boss man holding a shovel over your head, ready to <laughs> clock you at any time if you didn't hang up the phone. You think we can run? a week of motocross races at Loretta's and also keep tabs on what DMXS has right. got going on. Right. I wish. Yeah, well, that's the, and that's the thing with, with the conspiracy theorists is that, you know, who's on the cover is a conspiracy, who gets features is a conspiracy, and it's just like, you don't understand. We're just fighting. We're just paddling, trying to, trying to stay. A- we got deadlines, baby. We're just meeting deadlines. Yeah. Pretty much yeah. it. Um, I had an agent uh, text me yesterday and ask if I could guarantee a cover for if if his one of his clients uh, went over and raced the overseas races, which I'm sure gets into an entangled deal of like if he goes in there and wins and he gets a cover, we'll get some gear money or money for sponsors, and so he wants an answer, and I'm like, I cannot answer that. What are you kidding me? Right. With Three months from now, we don't know what's going on. Wow. Um. Yeah, Isers, but let's get that back to DMXS. So, uh, um, over ten years. Yeah, long time. How's it going? Uh, well, basically. It's- we really had a, a great ascension up to like 2003, 2004, being on you know Speed World and having Ekman talk about us on stuff, and then we've been stagnant for about seven years. So we're <laughs> we're we peaked early, but but right. trying to trying to have the anchor that I call Kevin Kelly uh, attached to the show, we're doing the best we can to tread water. <laughs> you would be you would be like uh, Jennifer Capriotti of the motocross shows, coming in hot. And sort of just wow! What what a complete and, and I and I'm old enough to totally get that. Right, I, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Yes, wow, yeah, I'm, I'm full of knowledge. 
Yes, we are. We we are. But the the thing is, and 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 that's why when Pope came along, even though everybody wanted us to hate each other and had this big rivalry and stuff, I I loved that one came in that was dedicated to it because everybody knows that, you know, Brian and Kevin and I all have uh, separate jobs. We've never done this as as our living, so we never had the time to uh, to to do what Pulp does, which is dedicate. The resources, the time, the energy. I've, I've often told you about the, the uh, information and the, and the stuff that Pulp MX generates. I mean, weekly is just mind-boggling, and and our sport needed that, and that's why uh, we support you guys from the beginning because it's quality stuff and it's 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 timely, it's needed, and um, that's why there there is no rivalry. But but uh, and, and we we definitely uh, you know take it as a as a compliment to be you know to have you guys uh, you know follow up with us. Well, yeah. Uh, early on, it was it was thought, hey, should we go on on Wednesday night? Yeah. And do this. I'm not. What? Why would we do that? That's that's so stupid. The yeah. stupidest idea I ever heard. Right. <laughs> why would you Why would you make the fans pick one or the other? You know. Right. I mean, that, that's ridiculous. So, um, do you find um, getting guests uh, easier, harder over the years? Um, how do you How do you do it's, that? You process? know, I've been. I do line up all the shows, and it, uh, t- to me, uh, it's it's basically you know the personal relationships and stuff. I can I can reach back in time and and still still pull on those. I don't go to nearly as many races as I used to, and and uh, that makes it a little bit um, uh, you know more difficult to do that. But I'm so we're we're kind of blessed to have grown up in this time over the last ten years. You look at the, the careers that have been blossomed, the ones that have come to an end, and, and we've we've had such a great pool of riders and, and industry people that. Um, they're still relevant, even the ones that you know are several mm-hmm. years old or ha- haven't ridden it in a while. Just like Ron Cotter, we you know we we brought him back on, and it just kind of brings up the memories of some of the great battles and uh, watching these guys come over and and their trials and tribulations. But uh, you know, to me, it's it's always you know it's 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 never a job to line the show up and do it. It's to me, it's just always you know a little bit of meditation, moto meditation for me. <laughs> right. Well, again, what's it like being on either show? What's the differences? What's the similarities? Uh, a big difference I feel on your show because of the element of the callers. Mm-hmm. Um, your show has invented these, I don't know, like eight or ten key catchphrases. And if you were to come in out of the cold and not know any of them, I mean, I've only probably actually done your show three or four times. Yeah. Nothing. Every time I go on there, it's like all the inside jokes, like look on more, hang yourself. Uh, all these things are just coming out of the woodwork. As you say, you're not afraid to voice your opinions mm-hmm. on the show. So if you're not versed in that, you're. It's like you're in a tornado and you're just getting spun in every direction. Like the show is so, um, like internal. Yeah. Like it's, it's it's you have to know the inside jokes and you're hit the same points over and over. Um, and I think that's because the callers can come in and feel like they're a part of the deal by, you know, saying yeah. we get those jokes, we understand, look on more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, DMXS, you've got to keep your uh, wits about you because we've at least me, we very rarely talk about motocross, and I feel like you do that with the riders a lot. Uh, too. I still feel like Pulp probably focuses a little more when you have guests on what happened at the race, how the race go. Mm-hmm. But uh, David, yeah, you you guys often get the complete different side of them. You know, just people as opposed to athletes. Which, they could go in any direction. This thing could any go direction, in any... but you learn a lot about the riders from that. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And that, and that's a, another thing that uh, differentiates between the two shows, which is which to me is awesome because. You know, on Saturday, Sunday, you know, Monday, Pulp Show, and 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 the racetrack uh, interviews and stuff that Matt does at the show, they're timely. They're put up. They're done. Boom. And then on Monday, they they do the wrap up. And if we by Wednesday, if we're still talking about what in the hell happened four days ago, it has been 
put through the blender 12 times. It's been, it's been talked about, discussed, all that stuff. So for us, the formula was always find out a little bit about the riders, you know, outside, off, you know, when the helmets are off and, 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 and do that and, and have fun with it as opposed to just pure race coverage because, you know, look how quick sports center moves. Look how quick everything else moves. The day after, it's over. I mean, you know, there's, there's 12 more headlines. So, you know, if we're still talking about what happened, you know, as far as the results, points, who's going to catch whatever, four or five days later, you know, it's kind of irrelevant. Yeah, and that's a good theory. You're right. You're, and, you know, it's, it, Watson's a team manager, and I'm at the every race. So, uh-huh. in, you know, in a way, we're, we're catering to our strengths, and, and you're catering to your strengths. It's, it works out good. Yeah, perfect. Um, Hey, let's uh, all right. Let's enough back slapping and saying how awesome each show is. Iser, yeah. um, let's get your comments. Uh, you know, you're an, you're an avid fan of the sport, and, and you do listen to the wrap up podcasts. Sure. With uh, Ping and JT, and, and, and of course me and Weege. Uh yeah. What's your? Ben, you've certainly heard us go on about motocross nations. Uh, me threatening to burn the USA compound down um, <laughs> if Michael Lessie wasn't picked. I'm not going to do that, everybody. I, right. That was an idle threat that made out of anger. Um, Moto Taliban, don't do it. No, Go ahead. But uh, we do know that uh, uh, James Stewart overlooked, Michael Lessie overlooked, Jake Weimer overlooked, uh, going with Justin Barsha in the MX3 spot. And probably if he gets hurt, Eli Tomac would be the next guy, I- I'm guessing. Um, Roger made it clear early on. Um, now, now Stewart was just on a, on the Monday Pulp Show and said, yep. I don't like Roger DeCoster. Roger DeCoster yep. doesn't like me. I'm not going to be on his team. I'm not on his team, so I'm not going to be on the Disney Nations team, you know, whatever. What's your thoughts on all of that? What are your – I mean, obviously, either Ryder, any – Weimer, Tomac, Barsha, Stewart, Alessi were the favorites to win. You're the favorites to win, I should say, until right. my country rises again. But um, – Again. <laughs> well, for the first <laughs> – Well – Yeah, put that in first, first part. <laughs> we got when like – When it first rises. <laughs> we got eighth in uh, – when the year that USA didn't send a team, we got 11th. In '86, anyways, um, what's your thoughts on all that, Iser? Okay, and and just um, just before defer, before we get I'm too far into this, the expertise yeah. of the people involved in this. Michael Lessie was on our show a few weeks ago. He went ahead and pretended that he didn't care if he was picked, but then he went ahead and made an argument that he's riding the big bike, he's riding it well, he's second in points, he should he should be the guy. We know that the um, you know the cost was on the show last week. Mike, uh, Tony Lessie reached out to him. He reached out and asked him to put Michael on the team. And Roger said, in no uncertain terms, the reason that he did not put Michael Lessie on the team is because of the internal friction that it possibly could cause. It wasn't so much the riding as opposed to the personalities, the chemistry of the team, um, you know, having the factories, the OEMs get the equipment, all the stuff that, that look, he, he looks into the infrastructure of putting together that team. So... I, I, I can't look. If you look at DeCoster, everything from his world championships to, to Honda to Suzuki to now KTM with, with championships is countless uh, motocross as nation's titles. The man knows what he's talking about. So Literally, the man. That's, that's his nickname. Exactly. Right. When, you, when you are basically picked out of a gender and the <laughs> the is put in front of you, right. I, mean, I mean, Chuck Norris is wearing DeCoster pajamas. I mean, this dude knows his shit, and for anybody to second-guess, especially on the political side, because if all you have to do is just Google motocross destinations, go back and look at the teams of the United States of America, and there are plenty of examples of riders that are not on DeCoster's team that are represented in, in, the, in the destinations. He is not putting together United Nations politics 
when he puts together a team, he puts together a team he thinks can win. And um, Michael Essie, in this injury-riddled season, where would he be if everybody was healthy? Where would he stack up against the world? I mean, these are, these are valid questions. All right. Well, first of all, I guess right at, why get? I get – now people know what side of fence I'm on, and I'm okay with, with Barsha going and all that. Uh, I guess all three of us, does it matter – and I say no, but does it matter that DeCoster is not American or he's born? He's American citizen probably now, but I do get the emails and the tweets. He's not even American. He's from Belgium. That doesn't matter, right? We're all in agreement of that. He, it doesn't he, matter he from American the American perspective. Across. It doesn't matter from the American perspective. He's hooking us no. up. I would feel if you're from Belgium, though, it would matter. Like I, I would have to think there are motocross fans from Belgium who are eternally pissed that the sport that they used to dominate, and it right. was, uh, you know, they were right up there with England for the most donations wins ever. And then their best, you know, hero guy then goes over and organizes the first American effort to win the donations, and then pretty much everyone since. Well, but no. I think if you're a Bevo. Euro, you probably are pissed from our perspective. Who cares? Bevo was team manager once. How'd yeah. that work? Yeah, they lost. How'd that worked out. They lost. <laughs> they lost. Uh, and yeah. it wasn't Paul Lindsay? Paul Lindsay? Um, I believe uh, one time, I think 92, the, the B team, I think Roy Jansen ran that. Obviously, he's very capable. But I'd say what? If they've won 18, DeCoster's probably been part of, what, 15 or 16? Oh, uh, yeah, right. maybe even more. Um, right. So my point is um, I don't see why anyone with that track record, as David's alluding to, just look at the past. How could any American say this guy doesn't know what he's doing or his heart's not in it or he's yeah. doing this for the wrong reasons? He right. goes there to win. If you're Belgium, though, if you're Belgian, sorry, if you're a Belgian person, I would think that this really irks you. Uh, yeah, maybe. I know. But I, it, yeah, I, I think. But I've never heard anyone say that, though, wouldn't it? That's a blip on the right. If you if you look at the Olympic teams, you look at the the coaches that uh, coach Olympic. It's the best coaches in the world have decided to come to America to help. You know, to help. Those are all foreign foreign born people, but they've come to America to do that. Roger has. He saw the writing on the wall. The, you know, the sport was moving to, to this continent. Um, it was moving from Europe to, to here, and, and it, Belgium wasn't going to be the hotbed of, of motocross. I mean, he, he's, he's come here, he's, he's, he's um, you know, earned his entire career here on this soil. I and, uh, I mean, I just can't imagine anybody questioning that. And if you look back to Mike Brown, remember the T-shirt? Steve Whitelock, Ricky Carl, all decided to kick Mike Brown off the team. This T-shirt's walking around Steel City. It's, you know, there's always a controversy about that, but I, I allude to this. You show me proof where... The, like James Stewart, why in the world would he think he's going to be picked for the Motocross Test Nations team? Well, he he seemed to think he he was never going to be. But I'm just saying, if he was 20, if he was, if I looked across the standings and he was 25, you know, on, kept his Iser. winning streak on, he's on the team. Iser, Iser, it, it doesn't matter not. what position James Stewart is in the points. He he beat Ryan Dungey four straight motos. He's he's the best sand rider in the world right now. Stamp that. He's the best sand rider. I'm saying this, is if he was not injured and continued battling Brian Dungey all summer long, those are the two 450 guys. It's unda- there's no doubt in my mind is that Coster picks there's no doubt. James Stewart. There's no doubt in your mind. If, if, no doubt in my mind okay. that he does it. I think there's doubt in my mind, especially after, you know, uh, I, think, I think there's some doubt. Maybe, uh, you know, I'm not saying for sure he wouldn't, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't see how, if they would have, you know, 
figure call you figure the battles that they had prior to to the to the um photographer running across like a deer across the track and causing injury that, that caused the, the entire landslide of motocross before that happens if that battle continues those guys are one and two coming into steel city this this week he's on the designations team what do you think Wygant? yeah that would just seem so preposterous i don't see how you could possibly how could you justify that right. like, i know the alessi one he finished second but hey he's been a uh, he's second in points, but he's finished second in all the races at best, and he's a far distance on Dungey. But if Stewart had beaten Dungey as many times as he'd beaten him and they were battling for the title, how could you possibly, possibly leave him off the team? How could that right. be done? Well, we know, that, we know that Iser has a man crush on Justin Barsha, but mm. um, I'm, I mean, he's, you know, it's a deep sand track, and he's good in the sand, but th- that's not a lock. That's not, to me... You know, I and I, you know, I asked Stanton last night on our our pre-recorded show that travels back in the future, so Jason Wygant could be on two shows in, in one day. And I asked about Point Blank. I said, at this point, in his career didn't do well at Southwick. He's not leading in the points. He's not battling. You know, he's, Tomax had a better year. Do you like as his trainer that that he was even? Cho- do you want this weight on his shoulders? Do you want him to go through this? And he says, absolutely. He wants him to experience this moving up and the and the, and the gravity of of riding for your country. And he knows he ride, he's been riding a 450 for years as part of training, so that's not a, a, an issue. Um, so he he thinks he's mentally ready. He thinks that he, this is a good a good choice. I mean, he's obviously a skilled rider, but he thinks it's a good, um, as far as mental capacity and, and where he is maturity-wise, he thinks it's a, it's a good fit right now. And to be honest with you, if, if it was a, a coin flip between Tomac and Barsha right now, to me it would, be, it would go to Tomac. Yeah, yeah, right now, for sure. Tomac seems, yeah. to, seems to have the edge lately. But the, yeah. that class is so nutso that we could, these next two races, uh, Barsha could have the edge. Who knows? It's right. been like different guys at different times. There, yeah. there hasn't been maybe a better... American, and I'm including Jeff Ward in this, who went seven and zero. Sure, there might not be a better motocross nations rider in history than Jeff Stanton. Unbel- uh, I agree, and he knows, and he knows the sand. He knows Justin uh, better than than, than most because he's working with him behind the scenes. And and uh, you know, like I said, I defer to people that that know because mm-hmm. when the hard questions are asked, they're accountable to them. Can I so, can I just say though, out of the three of us on this call, there's only one of us who's been on the Team USA for the motocross nations. And that's – is it why again? That's not you? I'm not oh, holding my hand up. Right. No one's holding their hand up but me. This uh, is an example of where someone not being an American does indeed sabotage the effort. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, he, and Rhino's mechanic wasn't American either. Uh, hoodie. Oh, hoodie. Hoodie. Yeah, hoodie. And, and uh, Goose, I believe, is actually Dutch. Is a Dutch passport. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. He's American, but he also has a Dutch passport. I'm going to text that commie right now. So, anyways, uh, can I just say this? I like Roger. I don't know him as well as either one of you two, but I do like Roger. He's one of the best interviews in the sport, and he's a good guy. Uh, he probably felt really sorry when he was stuck with me in first class maybe about two months ago when I talked his ear off the whole time. But can I just say at the Motocross the Nations, when I went on Team USA, he wasn't that good of a manager. Can I just put that out there? You can because you have that perspective that, that we don't. But you can't tell me that his entire – History at Honda, Suzuki, KTM, right, right. His, that everything was a coincidence that, that he just he, he, um, he has somehow yeah. lucked his way into this. Yeah, I can. Coincidence. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, really? <laughs> <laughs> 30 years of success. I'm going to have to punch you in the nuts for that one. That, <laughs> that is sacrilege. Uh, I am joking. I am kidding. I but, uh, uh, yeah, I'm just saying, I'm putting it out there. I know there's a prominent industry person, ex-champion of the sport, 
that really wants to get his meat hooks into that USA manager job mm-hmm. and believes that he can do a better job than Roger. Roger's not even American. Uh, you know, that's one of his thing. And then there's there's voices out there. That's all. Is it Ronnie Alessi? <laughs> it is not Tony Alessi, no. Is it Rhino? Hey, I, I will tell you this. I, I, I was just a media member at the time of Bud's Creek, but I did happen to somehow get there early enough to hear as the team assembled in, in the tent, I did hear his, his talk to the riders that day. And I think we all remember how that turned out that weekend. Wow. And I, I, let me just say, I was verklempt at, at, his, at his talk and how the team responded and how everybody rallied in that little, that tiny little intimate setting. So I know he might not be a Lombardi type of, you know, pep him up talk, whatever, but he knows what he's doing. He knows strategy and he knows motocross. How do you feel? Well, James Stewart just said that his Rogers pep talk to him before the moto, the last of the third moto uh, years ago was don't blow this. Is that, that not motivation? <laughs> That's that, correct instructions. If he would it, they would lose. So he was actually correct. How do you feel about Roger DeCoster's incredible Charles Oakley-like rebound ability to box out on top of the podium after USA victories? He's earned it. What, what else you got, Mathis? <laughs> I can see where I'm going with this one. Yeah, it's it's uh, no, but listen, they're gonna they're gonna. They're going to win, uh, I think. Uh, Belgium is going to have a strong team, though, in that sand track. And, and again, there's only one of us on this call who's been to Lomel. So, uh, Wigan, are you going? No, I'm not going. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going just so the next time we have this conversation, I can say I was there. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, yeah, it, it, interesting thoughts for sure, and, and people are quite passionate about um, with, let, Another thing, let's switch gears here. Iser, the, the talk – after Unadilla was the 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 track the gnarliness, gnarliness of the track, um, the injuries suffered by Les Smith, Michael Byrne, and probably some others that I've mm-hmm. uh, I have forgotten about. What's your thoughts on that? And, and you know, certainly uh, upon rewatching it, I've watched it twice now. Uh, yeah. Thank God for the off week. That place was gnarly. It was yeah. crazy. What do you what do you think? What do you make of all that? You know, I when I first saw the saw the race, I'm thinking this is motocross. That this to me. We, we had a perfect uh, storm of, of the weather, the, the rain at the right time. This is, what, this is good. This is great. I don't like seeing guys injured without crashing. That, you know, that to me, is, mm-hmm. is obviously an indicator of, of, of a track that has gotten away, um, maybe, maybe from, the, from, the, you know, from those guys grooming the, the way they should. But I don't like how they – I think they should leave it rough, that they should quit fixing it between them. They should not groom it. In between, once the track's done, it's done, and, and, and leave it. You know, except for if there's something super sketchy or something. Mm-hmm. But it's, if you know, my favorite saying is this: you need to go as fast as you can, not as fast as you want. And slowing those guys down is not a bad thing. I, I do not think slowing them down is, is a bad thing. What's up? And keeping it rough will. What's up, Gary? Gary Bailey, knowledge right there. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, Wygant? Well, I think that's one of those things that sounds awesome. You know, it, it sounds good. You know, make the track the rougher the better. Um, I remember in the Steve Whitelock days, we'll bring him up again. Um, please, please, it was don't, 05, please, 06, please don't. Where, what's that? No, I mean, <laughs> oh, here's another brilliant Steve Whitelock thing. And he said, we are doing no track maintenance. No track maintenance. That's, what you, that's, that's real motocross, right? Right. So I remember... Um, Brock Hepler, who was known as, you know, he was a motocross guy. He was tough. He was in shape. Factory rider. And, yeah, uh, yeah he won a couple races the that man. year. And they're like, the do, you, 
the Iceman. And they're like, you know, you're known for being in shape. You're known for being a tough guy. You like riding the ruts because you're from the East Coast. Uh, do you think that the tracks being so rough and not being maintained this year have helped you? And he said, no, it's the worst because when you don't do any track maintenance, a line goes away and then that line's done for the day. And then another rut gets too deep or blown out, that's done for the day. So by the time we get to the motos or late in the day, most of the track is blown out and gone and unusable. Um, so it sounds awesome to say, just leave it rough. But by the time, you know, according to him and according to some of the riders that year, um, the tracks, I don't want to use the word too rough because it makes them sound like pussies and you're going to complain that Bob Hanna didn't care about that. But the track sometimes needs some massaging to keep it raceable, to keep all the lines available, right. to keep different options out there. So to just say do nothing can you really, do you really think that Mother Nature could just coincidentally leave eight ruts an identical speed without any massaging? It's right. not possible. Sounds good. Doesn't really work. Oh, go back to the specific track of Unadillo, Weege. That, that track, we're talking about that one. We, we all saw, you know, Reed's comments when, where Stewart crashed, uh, that downhill fast section into, into those ruts. We all saw those guys at Unadillo with their foot off their pegs going through the ruts, balancing. We, we all saw that. But you've seen the tracks throughout the year specifically Unadilla, what would you have done with that track? Yeah, that obviously is a completely different case. I mean, it's different than any other track we've had this year as far as those ruts and the mistakes that you saw. Um, but it was strange when you saw Second Moto when Tomac was really putting it together. Mm -hmm. uh, it showed that it could be done. It's weird. You start seeing it, and it's as if he's riding a different track than other people are. And we've seen that happen at Unadilla before. I think Christophe Porcel was that way when he rode there. It was like he was not on the same course mm -hmm. as everyone else. I mean, it led to some exciting racing with some, some crashes, and that kind of mixed things up a bit. But I do think that they maybe could have made that thing a little bit more raceable. Um, so damn me if I'm saying do maintenance and maybe take some of the ruts out, but I think that could have overall been better. I mean, sure, three well, guys when they, when they the take When they have a straightaway of ruts or, and, and they just scrape it, all they're doing is scraping loose dirt into a, into a hard rut. So that, that dirt is not going to be – it's not like they're, they're starting from scratch. All they're doing is cosmetic and that's what I, I have a problem with, is, is cosmetic for, for that illusion of a smoother or whatever track. Yeah. But that, to me, makes it more dangerous. It doesn't take long for those ruts to come right back when you, exactly. you, know, when you do that. Um, I watched a uh, 93 Unadilla USGP, the year that they had those three funky pre-moto format. Yeah. Uh, Kodrowski wins the first moto, catches and passes six times. I, 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 I rerounded. I wasn't sure I was even you know, watching... I thought I was dreaming or something when I was doing my Mike Kordowski day. Um, but anyways, and then six time dominates the next two motos. But that track, that Unadilla track, I almost wish I could make a videotape of that and pass it around because that was insane. I mean, mm -hmm. that looked rougher and gnarlier than any Unadilla that I've seen now that I saw last week. It, mm -hmm. it was it was nuts. And those guys just wrote it. And I, I don't want to be one of those guys that walked uphill to school both ways and you know, and the old guys are tougher and gnarlier, but uh, that was, to me, it was crazy. Um, so, but, you know, then again, the, the bikes are different. The 450s are different. They're, they're faster. Yeah. They, have more, they have more horsepower than a 250 two-stroke, which was what I was watching it on. And so things come at you faster. You have to make decisions quicker. You have to, right. you know, you have to take all that into account. But And slow down. And Stanton said last night, which was a good point, he says it no, makes no, no, a no. rider Stanton, Stanton said concentrate tonight. on, yeah. Stanton our, said tonight. Uh, our, yeah, our tonight, he's going to say this because he already <laughs> sent me a script. Right. Is that 
it makes a rider concentrate on their technique and bike setup is even more important than just raw speed. So when you're slowing them down when the track is rougher, mm-hmm. it, it it brings out. It's like a major in a U.S. you know in golf. It's meant to you know test every facet of their game. And when when a track is like that, it is the rut. It is changing the line. It is the braking bumps. It's all those things that that should test a rider completely. Because I don't when we're so concentrated. On, on lap times and a tenth here and a tenth there, whatever it should be about close racing, and I think Supercross, you know, I think that's where we, we've we've lost that. Is it's all about speed, height, jump, and the ooh off factor, slowing these guys down and, and making it where you know the best prepared guy, both bike and and um, training, is going to prevail. Not just the guy that can hit the quad section, not just the guy that can hold it wide open, you know, through through a. Two hundred yard rut. I mean, that shouldn't be the guy that wins. I, uh, I I firmly believe that Supercross. I don't want to say it's broken, but um, I they they have to do something. I don't know what they can do though. So I'm 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 careful of my criticism because I don't have a solution. But uh, the tracks need more dirt. They 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 need to make, build closer to the edges. They need to. The bikes are it's it's turning into and they got rid of the semi races so you have heat races and a main event. You're turning into an aerial show where you turn around and you go you touch once and you land on the next berm. Yes. And I I I don't know what they can do because of the bikes and the technology, but I feel they need to do something whether it's the formats, the two main events, um, passing points, uh, something to overhaul Supercross. Uh, because of bike sizes and rider skill, why can't do you, do you agree with that? Do you do you think I'm onto something, or do you, am I am I nuts? Yeah, I've always, I've always agreed with that, and and, and I, I know what you're saying. You're, we're not saying that you know the people running Supercross are dumb. I mean, they're essentially running the same format that was good at one point. So to figure out what has to change is hard. You know, right. they're they're sticking with heat races in a 20 lap main event. You know, and Rick Johnson could win his heat race and win a 20 lap main event the same way that Ryan Villapoto can now. So that hasn't changed, but something, it's hard to make change in a sport. I think of it this way. You can calculate how much time the Supercross champ is even out there doing what he does best, which is ride. And what is it, 19 minutes a night? Right. Right. Seems bizarre. Uh, Or even the idea that we have these massive opening ceremonies, uh, and here he is, here is Ryan Villapoto, here is Ryan Dungey, and now we're going to send them to the back, and you'll see them again in about... 15 minutes after the lights guys who we yeah. didn't pump you up on going right. Yeah. And that's just the way, I'm not saying that the Supercross idiot, they're idiots for doing this. This is the way it was handed to them this way. Like they're not the ones that invented this format. They had to try and, to fix it, but it's not easy. And to be fair to them, I've spoken to Dave Prater, Todd Gender about this kind of stuff. And they say, yeah, uh, the teams freak out. We can't yeah. do anything because the teams freak out every time. Like that Vegas East West thing. They got heat for that, but in the end, they made it happen. And I don't know if that's better, but I applaud the change. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I I do want to see, I want to see a chase format in the points. I want to see uh, five races go two twelve lappers with you know a five minute break. I want to see, I want to see a reverse gate pick for the main event, so you you get some action that way. Of course, I talked to Stewart and Chad about that, and they say that's stupid, that's dangerous, crazy, and, you right. know, crazy. But I, I got – NFL has made tons of advancements and changes in their game. They brought in a two-point play. They changed the kickoff point of view. They changed instant replays. Yeah. And Major League Baseball has raised and lowered their mound. 
They've, they've gone to instant replay. Hockey totally revamped their game uh, five years ago uh, after the, the, the lockout. Every major sport, uh, IndyCar has got a brand-new chassis this year and a brand-new car with new safety features. Progression. Um, it's exactly. That's the trend. What have we done? What have, yeah. Like Wygant said, RJ did, did an eight-lap heat race uh, in 86 and went to the main event and you know had first gate pick and and we just we we got to do something. I don't know what though. I don't know what. But I promised myself I wouldn't bring this up on the show tonight because I, I don't want to open this can of worms as opposed to the two stroke four stroke thing because I know the four strokes are the future and all that stuff. But do you remember back in the heyday, guys, where where we watch a one twenty five race and then we watch and it was a completely different race. The jump combinations, everything. I mean, you have to be perfect through a rhythm section or through the whoops to, to jump in something on the 125. There, there was actually, you know, reward at risk and reward with that. Nowadays, it's the same exact track. The 250s and 450s are within tenths of each other. Everybody's doing the exact same thing. We just haven't figured out how to uh, build a four-stroke track that, is, that makes good racing because everybody can do everything, and there's such a marginal difference between – even the 250 guys, let alone the top 10, 450 guys, that, that it basically begs it, it's not going to be good racing. It's, it's going to be a start and a runaway. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe. Nothing, nothing. If nobody's doing anything different, how in the F are you going to make up time? Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. And then I feel like with the semi-races, I was in favor of getting rid of them because to an uneducated person, it was just the same old race over and over again. But now they take top nine out of the heat, and you really see some guys chill. Yes, chill they don't it. belong. Yes. They, no, well, they, they, they really see some guys chilling out. Like, hey, I'm in. I'm sixth, seventh. Yep. I'm in. I'm going to the main. I know. totally agree. That the, the, exactly. That's a good point because the fight from fifth down all, the, the only fights for ninth. Right, right. It, it, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. But uh, I, those guys are trying. They're doing a good job. I just I want to see – Something different. Let's let's uh, let's get off that. Unless there's any other, no. The racing at the top, the racing for the win, is no worse than it ever was. It's always been a start and run away. I know that in the '80s, maybe more guys could win and the points were closer. But you can go back and watch those races. You didn't have all eight of them passing each other over and over, and the guy takes the lead on lap 19. It pretty much never happened. Well, that's why we talk about Atlanta '90, Anaheim '86. Right. Exactly. Anaheim. Yeah, rare those times. Were Right. Anaheim 86 wouldn't be legend if all 12 rounds that year were like that. They weren't. Right. It's, we're basically saying um, the sport con- – you can go to a local track and you know who the fast guys are and you know who the slow guys are. That's the nature of the sport. So we're saying figure out a way to screw that up, mess that up, make it harder for the same thing to happen all the time. Yeah. But since we're sticking to the same format we've always had, we have the same basic formula, same basic racing. You know, the, the NASCAR guys seem to do a good job of that, and I hear a lot of complaining from the drivers, and they just go, ah, we're trying to make it entertaining. Like, they usually say, I don't like it, but I understand we're, we're, we're trying to entertain the fans. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and they go on with it. They deal with it. But, yep, it's that time again. Time for a commercial. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the BTO Sports dot com racer x podcast show listen to these commercials from btosports.com use the code steve and jt racing thank you jt racing for coming on board listen to these commercials support the sponsors and yeah then we'll get back to the show thanks for listening to the btosports.com podcast show please don't forget that bto is the world leader in aftermarket motocross parts for the bike our body You'll find deals like a Shoei VFXW helmet for $309.99, 45% off, or Smith Piston Goggles for $32.99, 65% off. 
Your order can be shipped anywhere in the USA for free. Or if you're not in the USA, we ship worldwide. Check it out at btosports.com. JT Racing USA is back to reestablish its deep roots in the motocross industry with an all-new, innovative line of racewear and casual wear. While bringing many of JT's strongest design elements from its golden years back to life, the racewear is constructed with the highest grade material on the market and has a technological fit, feel, and function that is sure to raise the bar in how motocross gear is being built. JT has relaunched itself back into motocross with the Pro Tour jersey, classic pants, lifeline, and flex field gloves in eight colorways with an assortment of men's and women's casual wear to add to its collection. By redefining the meaning of airflow, JT has incorporated its airline system technology into this collection and have launched their all-new ALS2 helmet in seven colorways to complete the rebirth of the brand. The wait is over. Moving on from that, Wygant, uh, you talked to Dean Wilson this week, and we'd known for a while he was going to Jeff Ward Racing. Uh, props to him for saying it, and then you saying, are you sure you want to say that? And he goes, I don't care. The middle, yes, I like that. Which is why we all like Dean Wilson. We do all like him. And uh, what do you think he's going to do, though? How is he going to do? We got into a good little debate uh, on the Pulp and Mech show, myself and uh, my co-host, Kenny Watson. I said he's going to be... Top five guy, um, you know, three, four, five guy. Um, is that where we see him? The greatest thing that happened was Trey Kennard's success, I feel, on a 450 has really changed the stock of everyone in the lights class. Because I remember being on DNXS and you and David, you and Kevin talking to people leading into the 2010 season, and it was – do you guys really think, every, every person you had on, you asked, do you really think that Villapoto and Dungey are going to be able to run with Stewart and Reed? Because in the Stewart-Reed-Carmichael days, they had really established themselves like MotoGP style as these aliens. And not just the next good lights rider was going to be able to challenge them. They were otherworldly. They were untouchable. Um, Villapoto and, and, and Dungey did it, and then Kennard did it. And I feel like, all right, it's back to the top previous lights guy can run up front with yeah. anyone who's leading the 450s. So now you have to factor that in. I mean, is Wilson any lower level than Kennard was in his 50 days or Barsha? You know what I mean? They're all, you would think they're all fairly equal what they've accomplished so far, so I think it leaves the door open for them to be contenders. And you know they're thinking it when they go to the line. Yeah. Barsha, you know? Barsha and him are going to be, I feel, right in the mix. But I just think because they believe uh, it. I, like, yeah, I, I guess that they? we – We've seen over the years with the uh, with the the Villapoto coming out of Loretta's and basically setting this, the bar, you know, coming up into the to the uh, to the lights class um, and what he was able to. do. Then you saw the, the Stroop era and the Lemoyne and some of the guys. Well, hold faltered. on, hold on. You just said Stroop era. <laughs> I mean, amateurs. Him coming up that that class of of riders and, and they didn't have that success. Then you see Tickle and, and Weimer winning titles and, and then moving up and, and not succeeding. And those are talented riders. They're, they're champions, and, and, and they, that didn't translate into the big bike class. And that's why with Dean Wilson, you see the year he had last year. I mean, you know, uh, with, with that battle with Tomac, I mean, it really, between his injuries and, and the mental side of it, I mean, that was a, a rough, tough year on him. And I just don't see him, um, not that he won't be a success, I just don't see him as a dominant Super dominant lights guy coming up to the to the 450 class. He 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 is not in that stratosphere where I think he's going to have immediate success. I think a top five for him would be awesome. Okay, so is your man Justin Barsha going to have immediate success? 
Oh, you... Only because I've seen oh, Marsha okay. podium on a 450. In the out, I mean, I saw him step up and, and do that. Indoors, I think he's going to be an RC year. He's going to have an RC Supercross rookie year. He's going to be on his head a lot. He's going to be pushing a lot. He's going to want that. He's going to, he's going to piss some people off. He's going to be over some berms. He's going to be on his ass. <laughs> I don't see a consistent domination, but I guarantee you Justin Barsh will be on the podium in 2013. Wow. Wow. Yeah. B- big fan there, Wygant. Jeez. Hey, hey, he discovered him. He pretty much saw the zygote. I did. I, I just remember you know, telling Bill Sfino, man, you need to keep your eye on this kid. <laughs> I thought Fro discovered him. Wait a minute. I thought Fro discovered him at a shift ride day or something. Eiser uh, <laughs> lays low bones about it. He, he pretty much, he's taking as much credit for Barsha as Barsha on parents, I think. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Without the sperm and egg, everything else at that point. Uh, but, but, yeah. but, guys, in, in, where, what, in what world is... I guess the standards that the, 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 their predecessors have set have, have made it so difficult on these guys. Remember when Hepler and, and Millsaps, uh, you know, turned pro, and everybody it was all about Millsaps. Hepler was a, was a side thought. Hepler had a better year. Millsaps had all the pressure, didn't didn't do well, and, and you know, basically started a down cycle, or, you know, beginning his career. The hype that comes with the rider up into the big bike class. There's nothing indicative of, of how it works out. There, there is no formula that's going to say this guy is going to be this or this guy's going to be that because unless you're Ricky Carmichael, James Stewart, or Adam Cianciarillo, you know they haven't been that celebrated as amateurs coming out. So we really haven't seen it since Philip Poto moved up, um, you know, out of the I, amateur ranks. I feel like uh, first man, Iceman, and Maverick, two of the better nicknames for a couple of of drivers. course, yes. Um, but uh, I feel like Canard, uh, Canard won a, 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 an East Championship, although you know rookie East, year, rookie year, we saw. Um, Struggle after that. <laughs> you want to host your own damn show? <laughs> no, no. Um, I'm keeping up. Uh, I don't. I feel like Canard overachieved, though. I didn't have that. I didn't think he had that in him. You know. Uh, uh, um, I will agree. I think he stepped up, and I think you're onto something, Iser. But to me, there is no difference. No difference between Justin Barsha and Dean Wilson. Dean Wilson has an outdoor title. Twenty-one out of twenty-four motos on the podium. Uh, Barsha has the indoor titles. There is that we've seen them engage in ramathons after ramathons. There's yes. no difference. So if you think Barsha's going to be better than Wilson, I'd say you're high and drunk. There's no. What difference about Barsha's uh, success on a 450 already against some of the big hitters? Put put Dino in that same spot. He's running the same way. Okay. As a okay. matter of fact, Dean, Dean's beating Barsha badly last summer. Uh, badly. Yep. badly. And so why? Why Justin enjoyed that success uh, and Dean couldn't, uh, you know, you can't give me an answer, I feel like. So. I, I, just, I just watched the races this year. I, I guess it's, it's, it's when you peak. It's, it's like Weimer had that back trouble. He went, you know, that, his last summer, it was, it was the worst time for him to go to the, to the big bike, and, it, and he suffered. I think Barsh is peaking at the right time as opposed to Dean Wilson coming off the injury, sitting out the okay. entire out. I mean, right. I think that it's all about peaking. I think that Justin's going to come off of designations. He's going to be right on, on the factory. I mean, I, he just has a lot going for him. Well, yeah, he's on a factory team, and, and Dino is not. But Dino will have a factory bike, and the team is definitely more than capable of doing good things. But they, they are not a factory team. Yeah. They are not and, a factory And momentum, team. does that mean anything to you? Um, ah, we got a four-month break, so – you know okay. that's that's hard to build up and keep momentum going. Okay. What do you think, Wygant? You're the referee. Uh, so, yeah. What, tiebreaker. Tiebreaker here. Well, you hear that so much of this sport is mental, and I think that's the advantage now. Now that the roadmap is there, if you're Barsha and you're Wilson, you're like, well, 
Filippoto, Dungey, and uh, Kennard all won races the very first year they jumped in that class. So I'm going to do the same thing, where I think had that not happened, even Barsha, who's obviously pretty darn headstrong, you'd have to have some doubts. It's like the difference between um, when you have an assignment and you know it's awesome and you can't wait for everyone to see it because it's going to be so good and one that you know you did a half-assed job on and you're, uh, I hope the teacher doesn't even ask me a question because I don't have the right answer. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to come in there excited as opposed to nervous. And I think it's going to make a massive difference. Um, so if that's a, as big a factor, the mental side, as everyone says it is, they've definitely got that going for them. Hey, Kennard did it. I can do it. Right. Chris, make a decision. Oh, who's had a better year, Barsha or Wilson? Oh, 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 we're down to who's better between the two of them. Well, yeah. No, um, break down. I mean, I'm saying Barsha with his 450 experience and his momentum this year and Wilson coming off an injury, that, that Barsha's got the momentum. What say you? Um, I'm going to lean toward Barsha. If I've got to pick one or the other, I'm going to lean uh, toward Barsha also. Hmm. Um, there's one other thing. Not a fan of the Scottish. Not a fan of the Scottish. What's that? Not a fan of the Scottish. That's really what it is. He's yeah, a he's American. That's really the... The main reason. Um, the other reason. Did you? But by the way, did you like what? my rapid reaction on Racer X when I uh, talked about a Scottish super team? That, that was Jeff, awesome. That Jeff I had put, to put that together. The Ward, <laughs> the Ward Wilson connection. Yes, Wardy finally got his Scottish got. super team that he's been yes. pining for for years. Since birth. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon Crockard. They never crossed paths. <laughs> never happened, right? <laughs> Gordon Crockard. Um, I there's there's one thing, and we've seen this happen a lot. We know that Pro Circuit is an awesome team to be on. A couple of Pro Circuit guys have jumped up to the 450s and continued that run, but most of them have not. Right. And it makes you wonder, are the guys on that team playing with a bit of an advantage because of the team and the bike they're on that then goes away when they're faced up against Factory Honda, Suzuki, right. Yamaha, KTM, whatever. That's a provable thesis. I mean, I think what Villapoto... And Carmichael, are they about the only ones who continued? There's been a lot of champions on Pro Circuit. Very few of them succeed or even win a 450 race at all. Well, I, I agree with you. Tedesco comes to mind. GL comes to mind. Um, I agree with you, but I just think it's only because of Geico's only had recent success, so there is no roadmap for them. You know, Pro Circuit's been winning since 91. Um, right. They did have a guy right. named Jeremy McGrath who did pretty well. Uh, greatest champion ever in the sport. But, oh boy, right. uh, um, yeah. anyways. Um, that's, that's the first year of the team, so I don't even know if they truly had an unfair advantage over the competition at that point. No, I but think. But there's no doubt during an era now. <laughs> right. You're, you're getting did. a leg up. Now, I mean, does that mean that Wilson, the only reason Wilson beat Barsha outdoors last year is because his bike was that much better? I don't know. But I say jury sometimes is still out on those pro circuit guys. You can almost get an inflated value because of what that team brings, but it's going to be leveled off once you get to the next class. Is this where you tell me that Davalos will probably win a title and then jump to a big 450 deal, and I jump out of my off top, off top of my house? <laughs> that could be it. That could be it. We might have to put in a uh, – a, uh, what, what do they call it when the CEO steps away? We might lose you. <laughs> I, don't even know, I don't know what you're talking a about. Backup, we have to have like a backup plan. What happens when we lose Mathis in oh. 2015? <laughs> right. Right. Uh, as I jump onto the top of my fence to make sure it impales me. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, no, some good some good thoughts about that. Uh, I think that's going to be uh, an interesting thing to see. You know who you know who's going to uh, struggle. You know who's going to be the most disadvantaged with 
Barsha and Wilson moving up, I feel, is uh, is a guy like Kevin Windham. Where does he fit in? I mean, of course, we're going to see injuries next year. We always do. But we got Kennard, Dungy, Filippoto, Reed, Stewart. There's five. Wilson, six. Barsha, seven. I know I'm forgetting, dudes. Jake <laughs> that, Wy- Houston, that Houston race was might have been his last chance to win. Jake Weimer, who who, who we've saw, you know, he he was a right around a podium guy. Um, with Justin Brayton, where does Kevin Windham fit in? Like Metcalf. Yeah, well, I think Windham's Windham's on a level of a Metcalf. I, I was yeah. I was a little disappointed at Metcalf this year, Supercross season. I thought it'd be better, um, and I think he did too. So, right. Um, but you know, a guy like Kevin Windham, like you know, just more, a couple more hungry kids in there, willing to lay it out there, lay it on the line, um, and that pushes, I think, the big one four a little further back. I, I think there's I think no doubt getting... that, that he's not not that he's on his fan uh, his fan uh, goodbye tour or anything like that. He, he's not calling it in by any means, but but those opportunities like Houston are going to be few and far between, um, you know, to actually uh, to get a win. I think the podiums are, are still. Uh, still viable, uh, you know, um, as far as his, uh, his yeah. season goes. But, um, you know, wins and, and contending, I, you know, I think that's in his rearview mirror. Okay. Why get? Yeah, I, I feel like you'll still get what you, what you want, which is you're still going to have those couple of races where, I don't know, KW looks pretty good, or <laughs> he wins the heat, or he's fast in practice, or he gets a good start, and you still have that flash. Now, will he actually complete it and win the race like he was able to two years ago? Yeah, I don't know. But I think he'll still be enough for a couple races a year. You know how Wyndham is. He's on or off. Yeah. And I think on those on nights, he's still going to be in the conversation. You'll still have that excitement of, this could be K-Dub's night, which is what everybody wants. Right. And I don't think and the transfers. Out. I mean, he has to race for the transfers. <laughs> so combine the transfers with that. With the nose wheelie. Couple. Transfer plus a nose wheelie plus a hard pack plus, track equals that, Kevin Wyndham. That equals a win to the fans. Yeah. And people he love him. They, they don't take a, a bullet for him. He's still got. I, he's going to have that puncher's chance a couple times a year, and that's. I think that's what keeps it relevant. And that's what keeps him going. That's what keeps the fans going. I don't think that'll change too much. I'm not a fan of like staged things and all that, and I feel like the transfers have reached that point. They're gnarly, and they're 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 you know he's doing it in the dark and everything. But I don't know. I almost feel like okay, find something else now. You know, like just because it was so cool, and and he he thought of it in the beginning and now it took on life on its own and you know all of us idiots in the media t- tweet about where he's going to do his transfer and he's looking at his transfer and what about his transfer and it's like eh, it's kind of like I'm in like tr- you know too much transfer overload talk they better get rid of the freaking lasers before they get rid of his transfer Okay. because there's a lot of things in the beginning of the opening ceremonies that they can be revamped and, right. and upgraded and, and the fans you know, they well, do love that. It's basically free feeding the mob. And, and to me, you know, the Dallas one that I, I witnessed was, you know, flipping amazing. And I, I don't know. I, I, I guess that part of the show, especially with, with, uh, with K-Dub, and, and actually on, on, uh, he came to the stadium in Atlanta early just to, to spot, you know, do his, his transfer. He was actually at the press day to look for, look for a transfer spot before, um, before going to the signing. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's all about it. It's not something he just shows up and does. You know, oh, I know, and, and it's gnarly. I'm just like at this point, though. Like, I'm like, all right, let's do something else. No, I, don't I know. think. What do, you, what do you want JT to do? Just go ahead and tell us. <laughs> JT. <laughs> well, I'm. By the way, on the JT subject, why can't you've only uh-huh. got four motos left to, to pull this out? Well, I don't know. 
He better not break his leg between Still City and Elsinore. That would be a problem. <laughs> Are you really going to bone him on his little farewell? But it only makes sense to do it at his last race. Well, so he's got to make it there. Yes, but I'm just saying. Should yep. we build in a pad? Should we, should we pad the schedule? Yeah, but still. <laughs> I think Wyndham, the overhype on the Wyndham transfer, just gives you an example how few new things there are to get excited about. There wasn't anything else to talk about at the end of Supercross last year. Now you can cross your fingers. <laughs> right. You can cross your fingers and hope that dudes don't get hurt. Right. That's all you got, cross fingers. There's right. nothing to prevent it, to allow it. Um, and I know you were talking to Stuart uh, on the podcast last week about how they're trying to think of things to do to make it safer, but still. What are they going to do? Yeah. What are they going to do? And if in, in, in absence of that, if you get guys hurt and the championship isn't riveting, which it often, often isn't, it's pretty pathetic that a jump that takes five seconds in opening ceremonies, not even part of the actual race, is the most exciting part of the night. But it is because there's nothing exciting about the race at times. Sweet Jesus, New Orleans Supercross last year might have been. Oh, that was brutal. Were you there, Iser? No, no. Oh, I, oh. You know, he got hurt before. It was like let the city down. The that race might have been. I think I saw Wyatt actually asleep at his keyboard at one point. Um, <laughs> no. No, 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 that was the cold. That oh, was the issue there. Remember that's that? That's right. Oh, yeah. I was Googling images of frozen cavemen and tweeting them, <laughs> tweeting images of this is. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, they made the mistake. We saw Dave Prater in the morning. He runs these things. And I'm like, man, it's really cold inside this building. He's like, well, they said when the people come in, all that body heat will warm it up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> 12 people came. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that you're, yeah, so you're right, Iser. Maybe keep the transfer because that was the most exciting part of, uh, uh no, yeah. wait, it didn't happen. No, he didn't do it. It he didn't happen. Well, the, the anticipation was the most exciting part uh, of that. And, or maybe the after party, which right. was your chance for any fan to, to, to meet Chad Reed because he was just wandering the streets of Bourbon, just <laughs> trying to. Kevin, Wyndham was out there too. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, you could have met Kevin too. Um, what what else uh, um, what else can we can we touch on here? What about uh, some Iser? You spoke about um, the asterisks on Dungey's season. It it really not that me and Wygan are putting it putting them on there, but you get irked when fans do this. This is not- I do only because of this. It's it's just like with the Chad Reed uh, his Supercross championships without without people there. I mean, any rider, it, it's a disservice to them and what they've done, the work they put in, their team put in, because the one thing you can't control is your competitors and who you, who you race that day. I mean, you have no control over that. All you can do is, is do what you can. So it's, it's, I think it's disrespectful to say, oh, it, he, Dungey wouldn't have won if, if Reed and Stewart were, were, were racing, or things would have been different if, if our – I mean, it's disrespectful because it's – it's subjective, it's, it's bench racing, but don't take away a champion's, you know, because he has no control over who, sh- who shows up on the, on the gate. Well, like Wygant said, it's not like it's, um, you know, we've, we've dealt with injuries for years and years, so it wasn't like, you know, this year in 2012, D- Dungy planted um, a flu epidemic yes. that knocked everybody out. It, it, yeah. it happens every year. I, we've, I believe that it's a... It's a um, it's a strength of a rider's to stay healthy. See, right. see Nick Way over the years, although not now because he's hurt. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it's a skill to stay healthy. And even Dungey couldn't this year. He was what two points behind RV when he broke his collarbone. Well, yeah, yeah. So I mean, even he couldn't stay healthy this year. So I agree, you can't you can't say that. It, it makes for a nice bench race argument. But uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Dungey earned the championship. Uh, you know, first and foremost. 
Yeah, I just don't think it, it's just it's uh, to me it's disrespectful. I guess that's what what gets me the most right. is when when some when a fan who supposedly loves the sport just because their rider wasn't in it, he has to not only you know disrespect the rider that won it, but also say, I guarantee you that if Stewart was healthy, he he would have won the championship. Well, if Worms had machine guns, birds wouldn't eat them. I mean, you know, um, with the what ifs of the world, you know, right. there, there's there's too much speculation, and I guess that's you know, when I, I got an email from I guess that's why I'm, I'm talking about this. Is, Back and forth with a, with a guy, he, he's um, and he was basically saying, "You guys are down on on Stewart, but if he was healthy, he would he would have won this easy. He would have wrapped it up before even Dundee wrapped it up." And I'm just like, "I so are you a fan of the sport? Or are you just you know you're just trying to piss me off or whatever? Because you know not only are you you basically speculating on what would have happened, but you're you're you know you're taking away the hard work that uh, the Dungey and Kate Tim's put in this year." Well, I think it's clear that you know you just Stewart won't do your show and he'll do Pulp X, so you're anti-Stewart. And I'm on his nuts, and I'm, and I'm on his nuts like that. I, I think he's done it one, once or twice. Nah, just kidding. I, he's uh, on your show. Yeah. I'm hilarious. It's hilarious because I, I do this podcast with James Stewart. I get tweets. You're on his nuts. Okay, I'm just interviewing the guy, and you know whatever, talking about whatever's going on. But yeah, I'm on his nuts. Uh, as a media guy, you can't win. You're on everybody's nuts at different points. And that's why I feel sorry for you, Jason, and and uh, Steve collectively because I've had a disclaimer for years that DMXS, even though we won Journalist of the Year from the AMA in 2004 and five, when we actually tried to cover the sport, you won. Hold on, hold on, hold on. To be a modalist. hold on. You won Journalist of the Year. First of all, there's a there's such an award, and second of all, you guys won it. Yeah, and and Jason Wygant was part of the second one. It was part of the MX Sports uh, stuff at, at Loretta's as well. So yeah, we have two little trophies. No, no, no. I believe I still have the trophy from the second year, even though it should Why, be we weren't there to collect it. That's right. People <laughs> that work much harder than me. I was the only one at the banquet, so I took it and I haven't <laughs> sent it to you, even though I did about 9% of the work to right. earn that thing. T- typical you and Wes Kane. That's how you guys come in and just steal all the thunder. Wow. This year, but, but, but going yeah. back to my point yeah. is that DMXS is not a journalistic source of information. I do not hide the fact that I like writers. I love them. I respect them. I don't kick them when they're down. You guys have the unfortunate job of, of dissing them when they're, when they're doing shitty and calling them out. And, Steve, congrats to you because you have the balls to do it. And, Jason, the same calling it like you see. You guys are, have to do that. I, I'm, I'm like the grandparent who gets the, the grandkid spoils them all day and then sends them back to his parents. I, 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 get, I, I get a free ride with that, so you guys, um, you know, kudos to you. Yeah, I can guarantee you, I, I get accused of being on Stewart's nuts all the time, but you know who does not think I'm on his nuts? Stewart, Stewart himself. <laughs> Dame Stewart does not. I, I, Dame Stewart, I don't think, is very pumped on me, actually, um, considering that I'm on his nuts. He does not think so, so I guess yeah. I'm not on his nuts enough. Right, right. And I'm not, I'm not on Ryan Dungey's nuts. I've... You're definitely not. Right. Even though, I mean... He'll do my show, but not yours. Yeah, he won't do the show. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> won't do it. Which I think is, is, is incredibly ridiculous, but that's okay. Um, you know, whatever. You guys uh, have to call him like you see him, and, and this sport is so small, I think, that comparing it to, to the ASPN, the NFL, NBA, or anything, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous comparison because our depth of reporting, there's no accountability. The, the, the athletes and people have the opportunity to sidestep whoever they want because it's such a small pool that they don't have to be accountable, and that's unfortunately, is the, to me, is the, you know, the ghost behind the machine is that you know, they, they control, they pull the strings, and it's, um, you know, that's why I get pissed when, when they do get mad about being called out. But, but let's be honest, they control their own media. 
Yeah, they do. They do. And 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 there's a few media people out there, or a few team owners. Jeff Myshak's one of them. Uh, Stephanie Knott from KTM too. Yeah. Um, that are you know they're like Tom McGovern. I when he was on the beat, you know, and these people are friends of ours, and we work with them. When we but they're like, if you're like, hey, I really need this guy. They're like, okay, let's make it happen. Let's make mm-hmm. a media, you know, and, and they, they try. And, yeah. And I guess that's all you can ask for. But yeah. I feel like uh, Racer X out of any site, and I'm not just saying this because I work there, but Racer between myself and Wygant and uh, Aaron Hansel and everybody that contributes to it, David Pingree, um, will write something negative. I feel like the other stuff are nothing but fan sites. Nothing but fan sites. Yeah. So at least I feel like we're trying to cover the sport like a quote-unquote legitimate sport. I don't feel like some of the other sites are doing that. And, and, you, and you have to, and that's why you know, I'm proud to be associated with, with Race Rex and Davey from day one. He, you know, he, he has supported us from day one, and it's been easy to stay, stay in that camp. I mean, a few weeks ago, I, I did go outside the box and criticize somebody, and I said that, you know, quit talking about Jason Lawrence, who's not relevant, and that he wouldn't make top 15 if he raced in an outdoor national. And somebody got my cell phone number the following day or two days later and called me up and threatened to kick my ass at Southwick. So it's funny that when I finally do decide to, get, you know, to go out there and, and slam somebody, um, you know, there's somebody wants to beat my ass. So I guess you know, for for one day, I felt what you guys feel. You did this on the show. You just went on a rant. No, actually, it was a. I think somebody in the chat room said, "What do you all hear about J Law racing Southwick?" <laughs> and I said, "Why?" And I told Brian in the break. I said, "We need to put." The thing in the chat room that when you put type in J Law, it doesn't allow those four letters in our chat room. I said because you know using Jason Wygant's famous thing, if you're not racing, you're not relevant. And I said, look at Bogle, look at these kids that, that were injured and came back. Look how long it took them to get up to speed, and, and they're struggling to be in the top ten, top eight, top whatever. Why would you think Jason Lawrence is going to come back and podium or be in the top five in an outdoor national? Have you seen the pace these boys are running? Have you seen the pace Baggett and Barsha and Roxon and Muskin and? All these guys are running, but no, J-Law will show up in, in, in podium. Uh, I feel like we, we're maybe past the J-Law point, finally. Why, Gant? Do you get much of it? Uh, no, but I do magnify it when I do. I mean, it is one guy. You know, if you even get it from one guy, it really still irks me. So maybe I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm overstating how many people think it. But even if it's one person, I still think they're an idiot. So who, who was this guy that called you, Iser? Like, I don't know. I actually traced the number back, and it was a – because he wouldn't tell me his name. I said, well, I'll get you on the show. You can say your, your piece or whatever. F you, blah. I'm just gonna kick you. If you're coming to Southwest, I'm, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm, I'm just going to walk up, whatever. Your show sucks. You guys have never liked J-Law, even when he was racing on a factory team. And I'm like, when was that? But I didn't even get into that with him. Yeah. But, um, That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> but but uh, anyway, so, so I traced the number back, and it was a, a prepaid cell phone. So I, I couldn't even get him. So I wanted to call the guy out and at least, uh, you know. Why can't? If there's one guy you don't want to mess with, it's a bounty hunter. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah one, I traced him. If there's one person I wouldn't want to, like, <laughs> F with a, on a prank phone call or Jack with his house or yeah, try to I, get I would him. love to knock that guy through the next day. <laughs> Right. I'm here. <laughs> What's up? What up, bitch? <laughs> but I also got, and the other one I got was it was close is when um, you know Chad restarted his own team, and I had vacation planned in San Francisco with my family for that week of Anaheim one, and I changed my vacation plans because I, you know, there's no everybody knows I, you know, a big Chad Reed fan. I've, I've admired his story coming from Australia, all all his adversity, nobody wanting to sign him. He starts his own team. I wanted to be there for that. 
So I said that. I, I basically said on the show that I changed my vacation, canceled it, and went ahead and went to Anaheim 1. And this guy's like, are you effing kidding me? Could you, could you not you know, have kissed his ass more and blah, blah, whatever? And I guess that's the freedom of DMXS. Is I, since I'm not a journalist, I don't have to, you know, I have to have that, maintain that integrity. But I don't mind pulling for people um, and, and basically saying, saying that on the air that I'm, I'm a fan and, um, you know, I want them to do well. Right. Why get any crazy fan stuff from you? Did you get you won't even just start this? Like it happens. It happens daily. I don't even know. Where do we even start? Well... Nobody's ever called you though, and have they? Like, I if you had an eyes. No, 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 I, no. I do have to. No, no. I've never had. In fact, it, it is rare, and I think you've experienced this having phone calls on your show. When it's face to face, it's pretty easy to disarm people. People are totally. not nearly as angry as they yeah. are yeah. over email, you know, message boards. <sighs> the God forbid the racer X comments section on our website. Um, you know, for the most part, I've, you know, I've run into a lot of those people over the years, and it always ends up being a pretty cool, you know, bench racing conversation. So, Sorry, I was just mad. I'm just, you know, stating right. my view. I, I got, all back yeah. down. Yeah. I had one in Canada uh, last weekend when I went, or two weeks ago when I went to the Canadian race there. Um, but mine was, you're not as fat as I thought you would be. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's a, talk that up is like that's awesome. Right, right. This, yeah, what a compliment. Yeah. Well, no, this guy. This guy was saying that uh, he was on to me about something I wrote, and then and then at the end, like you said, we we ended up talking it out, and then it was like you're not even as fat as I thought you'd be. No, right on. Thanks, buddy. Oh, here's <laughs> so the funny thing only... about Matt. This is is within a within a calendar week, I will see threads within the same seven day period where he is either slamming somebody too hard or kissing their ass all within seven days so yeah. you're actually doing both to pee i mean you, you have yeah. gone to the spectrum the pendulum has swung both ways you're somehow kissing ass and slamming them in the same week i i pride myself on that and i like it and i think that means i'm doing a good job yeah like, because you can't yeah. make them all happy but you know, i think it was the yamaha stuff and um you know you know, Dean Wilson, it was so funny when we interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. He says, have you ever heard anybody say anything good about the Yamaha? I mean, yeah. he just... Listen, it, what, what, I mean, I'm just calling it like it is. That's, that's the, I, I cover pro racing, and yeah. I'm in the pits, and the perception is that bike is the devil. Now, yeah. it's not, but that's the perception. Right. And, and their 250F, hell, I had a Yamaha guy tell me, I hope we just work on the 250F, never mind the 450. You know, I had a yeah. Yamaha guy tell me that. Like, they're, they're stuck in neutral, man. The mighty... Factory teams of, of Hannah and RJ and Lachine and, and Dowd, Henry Wyndham, um, they're gone. The, the, McGrath. That, McGrath, yeah. They're, they're gone. They're, that, that OEM is spinning yeah. its wheels in the mud, and when they did take a bold step forward, it's going to – it you know, threw up on their face. Yep. I mean, that doesn't make sense, but it just threw up on their face. Threw um, up into the wind, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So they they – They've done a lot of spinning their wheels and a lot of standing where they are and, and, and losing while the merry-go-round goes around. And when they do take a bold step, it, it blows up. And yeah. that's the way it is. That's the bottom line. I don't know how much time we have left, but I do want to ask you guys both this question. Several years ago, um, before the economy hit the shitter, uh, you know, I, I was interviewing DeCoster, asking him, what do you think the future of the sport is? And he says, OEMs will never give up their R&D. 
because satellite teams will never take over what the factories do just because of the R&D. And, of course, the economy took a, a took went in the shitter and all that stuff happened. And Stanton last night, we said, you know, starting Barsha and Canard, you guys are finally, it looks like factory Honda is finally looking to go back for a title after this dry spell after firing RC a million years ago. What, what do you guys think with, with Geico, with the, with the Chad Reed teams, with, the, with all these satellite teams, what is the future of the OEM factory teams in our sport? Are they even going to exist in a few years? What do you think, I think they have more momentum now because I feel like Yamaha also was forward-thinking. So many pundits were able to say that that was obviously the direction the sport was going to go, uh-huh. and you could just point to all the other successful motorsports and how that worked. Um, so Yamaha did take that step. They made a bold step there, too. And they abandoned their factory effort. And I think, look at how it's turned out. What are we, four years into that? Everyone would say that that's been a step back for them. Right. So now it's a cautionary tale. So I think, if anything, if that is on the horizon, it's been pushed way back or maybe off of it altogether. Well, it's already worked. there. Well, I think... Uh, to a degree, but it's yeah. not uh, Yamaha level. I mean, you, you still had, you know, Suzuki moved and the Costa was still there the next year, virtually the same staff. Yamaha's factory team is being run by, you know, Jay Bone and Coy Gibbs, who are not, you know, not guys that Yamaha originally hired, or the Star Valley guys who are not guys that Yamaha originally hired. They're not Yamaha employees. So Suzuki did it, but in a little bit different manner. Like, Yamaha literally, the team is gone. Right. I feel like, you know, Larry Brooks's team leases their, their bike. They have to pay. Um, so it's not quite a perfect example. But I feel like Honda has chosen to go into business with a Chad Reed and with a Jeremy McGrath slash Larry Brooks, although, like I said, they're paying, so it's not really like right. in business. But you do have to clear lots of hurdles just to pay for a bike. Uh-huh. Uh, and Yamaha has gone into business with uh, snake oil salesmen in the night. You know what I mean? That's where the mm. problem lies. And, and there isn't – I mean, the, the history of Star Yamaha is turbulent. It's been up and down. It's not like they were winners for years before Yamaha went with them. Yamaha really only went with them because Yamaha Troy was completely falling apart. I mean, I was at right. Yamaha. I was at Yamaha when there was discussions about, hey, should we take away Troy's support because they're just falling apart and give it to Star? And they were like, nah, let's stay with Troy. And that last year was a you know complete disaster. Right. So then they were forced to go with Star and forced to go with Valley. So I feel like that's where Yamaha's again they've they they've done a good thing but they've they've you know crapped the bed with who they've decided to back. And and that's where the the issues come in. It's it's sort of management decisions at the top that have led them to where they're at. So you think the 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 uh 250 class right now is basically, you know, satellite teams. You you don't see that Leaking into the into the 450 class eventually, where everything will well, be factory supported satellite teams. I do, I do, I do, yeah, I do think I do that's going to happen. Um, and I, but I, you have to go and make sure your partners are strong, you know. Mm-hmm. And your partners, I guarantee you, uh, I know what Yamaha has, what Yamaha requests from its teams as yeah. far as uh, research and 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 development and and stats, and it's quite a bit. Yeah. But you, as long as. You, there's your R&D. That's what Roger was talking about with you, where they, he doesn't yeah. think they're going to give it up. Well, if there's the right parameters in place and it's a, it's a money-making business and, and you're, you're, going in, you're going in with strong partners, you can have that R&D right there with these teams. Right. You know? Um, yeah, it's definitely, I think, what the way the sport is, is moving, but it's, uh, it's going to be slow. It's going to be glacier-like. And, and also, too, let's get out there. RC was not fired by Honda. Again, you're just 
towing that, that I line. Am, I am per- propagating was, that rumor, yes. He was not fired by Honda. He took a bigger contract. He went for more money. He, you know what a lot of riders do at Suzuki. That's all. Okay. He wasn't fired by Honda. Okay. He wasn't fired by Cowie. He went for more money, and he didn't like the Cowie bike. More money at Honda. It's America. This isn't Canada. We have American dream. We, you, 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 it's capitalism. You move forward. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But it's the whole boo-hoo. Ricky was fired by Honda. He sure showed them what was up on a, on a yellow bike. No, he just went for more money. Nothing wrong with that. But, you know. Let's yeah, but look. the inverse, you could say that. Honda didn't offer him what he was worth. Yeah, the Suzuki believed in him more, hence opening up a larger, uh, wow, yeah. larger paycheck for him. I mean, yeah, you can, you can, you can say that. It just went for more money. It happens all the time. But, right, right. That's right. Hey, on this uh, this factory thing, remember that Yamaha I think MC was, MC never did that. MC never did that. By the way, no, he never went for the money. The was never about the money. And speaking of that, by the way, um, I was thinking about. Sorry to interrupt you again. I was thinking, yeah. how many titles does RC have? Fifteen. Fifteen. Oh, he does have that. Five. He does have that many. Five. Okay. Well, wow. <laughs> <laughs> put that thought back in your pocket. That's sort of whatever it was. <laughs> okay. It's going to be. Well, what I what I'm going to say is I thought he was around twelve. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but what I was going to say was MC has eight. Okay. He was leading the '98 Nationals when he broke his wrist. There's nine. He was should have won in '96 if he hadn't done that stupid jump yeah, at Melville. Oh, here we go. There's ten. Oh my! There's God. there's ten, and that leaves him only a couple off RC. That was my my story. Hey, 15 championships, 150 career wins, um, two perfect seasons. Don't even get me started, boy. This is actually this, this would be a, a, a different podcast because yeah. I do want to go in depth with you on this. Doesn't have you know, a, here, he, here's he doesn't the have the super cross. You need to know he it's not the ten. It's not the ten outdoor titles. It's the zero losses. He never, never lost an outdoor never title lost. before. That's, never lost that's a defense the, of the title. Never. No one can I, ever say they've never lost. He was a strong outdoor that. rider. He was a very strong <laughs> outdoor rider. I'm not, I'm not disputing that. You're such an asshole, man. I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying. Very solid when, outdoors. When you, very solid. When you, when, you, when you call someone the greatest of all time, you got to have all the records. We raise indoors and out, and he's not even close indoors. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I, I will defend the Coster, Barsha, and, and, and Carl right. Michael to, to the end. Yes, so you I'll, will. I'll, I'll, right. I'll tell you that. You can make a case that, you know, Timmy Ferry also threw a few titles away over that, that time. Great. He oh, could really? have been one of the greatest of all time redheads in Florida, too, at one point. <laughs> all right. Well, what you were going to say, why again? Sorry to. Oh, uh, just on the Yamaha thing. Remember, I think that their vision was, speaking of McGrath, trying to make as much money as he could, wasn't on the factory team. And they had great success with Chaparral, and then great success later on, Brooks running the Yamaha with Reed and Stewart winning titles. So at the time they were setting this up, they had great models of wow. how successful this could be. They won, what, four Supercross titles with, with, with satellite efforts at the elite level with the top riders in the sport? Right. Um, so that's where the vision came from, and this is where they are today. <laughs> yeah, no, excellent point. You're right. At one time it, it was uh... – you know, it was a great idea, and I mean, really, about when I left Yamaha, of course, that was that, oh, that, that started everything. Started no, no, fall, yeah. I'm not. I'm yeah, kidding, yeah. but you know, they 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 had Josh Hill on the light bike, and the thing was blowing up, and he mm-hmm. was struggling, and they had um, Hepler, Hepler and uh, Hill was where they had cash. Yeah. That was going to be their future. Yeah, right, and that was a disaster, and they had some teams that were clearly outperforming the factory effort. 
So they were probably like, hey, this is awesome. Let's yep. do that, you know? Yep. Um, because yep. they sure wasted a lot of money in those last couple of years. Heath Foss was on the team. Um, you know, World the, champion. The same Heath Voss who threw his bike down in the pits and started hitting the motor with a hammer. Um, <laughs> yelling at it. Yelling at the machine. Anyways, um, yeah, let's table the RCMC discussion for another day. On All the, right, we'll uh, do it. <laughs> I got a feeling Weege may not even want to be involved in that. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> yeah, please. please. I do want to say that both tiebreakers in this con- this discussion have gone my way, by the way. So just, just, just so you know, Weege might not be your guy you want with you. Well, he's also the guy who's done DMXS. Uh, forced. Fourth, forced. Forced to do DMXS. That's For- your yeah. problem, Matt, that you need to have him contractually obligated to do it. That's the only way he's going to do more pulp. I can't even. Madonna. I can't even force my co-host to do the show, like <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah, I love the tweets. Can you hear five minutes early? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I know. All right, the BTOSports.com Racer X podcast off week discussion. Uh, David Iser, thank you. Always a good, uh, always a good guest. Always a good. Uh, time with you and uh, we need to get you on these more i feel um i appreciate it but wygan always stops me so just yeah he's always like yeah. more jt more jt <laughs> wygan is, is always contractually cool. obligated right uh thanks Iser. thanks wygan thank you see you guys love you <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of the steve mathis show Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to find the more than 200 episode archive or get the Pulp MX app for your iPhone for the complete Pulp MX fix.